Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And welcome back to The Gift of Disruption, that series that was specifically designed for the pandemic of 2020 in hopes that we will end the season stronger than we started it. And we are on a road here. We are on a road of enlightenment and repentance. So we started just by embracing this season as a time to learn. And then we looked at our lives to see what was being exposed through the season. We took the time to confess that and to rend our hearts to God and to, to really start on this road of godly sorrow and see if we can repent and do whatever it takes. So we are now going to enter into our road of repentance. Now I want to talk about this word repentance. Um, you know, something that uh, has come to me lately is just this realization that I'm sure everybody else has had this, but I keep hearing these two separate definitions of repentance. And, you know, I finally realized that when we say repentance means to change your mind, we're talking about that word from the Greek that was used in the New Testament, to change your mind. And we know that when we have a mind change, our actions will follow. We can change our actions by first changing our minds. But there's also another definition of repentance, which I had heard from the very beginning, and that is to turn, and really, really more accurately to return, and that is how the word is used in the Hebrew, the same sort of concept. And I just love putting those two concepts together, that when we are renewing our mind, we're really returning to the way that we're created, and I do love that thought. You know, I think it's really important to remember that we were created by a perfect God. And His plan for creation is perfect and loving in every way. He loves His creation. And every time we decide to put aside the things that are ungodly, to get rid of the stuff that divides us from God, to get rid of all this stuff that makes us feel hard-hearted, that, that puts little pebbles in our heart, that keeps us from feeling good about God. Whenever we're getting rid of that stuff, we are returning to the garden. We are returning to the way that we are created. And it's taking off another layer that has been caked on, that, that, that has, you know, we don't like who we are, so we take on all these defense mechanisms and all these things to cover ourselves up. But every time God is allowed to take off another layer, a, a new, like, like pink skin, you know, appears, a, like a baby's skin, um, just beautiful and pure and lovely. And that's the way I think we have to think about it. That will, That is a beautiful way to look at repentance, helps us to remember the beauty of it. Okay, so I did this really cool acrostic. <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking it's really cool. I like acrostics because they help you to remember stuff. So I made a little acrostic for the word repent. Okay, so as we're going through this journey and we're going, um, trying to get to a life of repentance, I want to just start with a few things that will help us get us going that way. Okay, so first of all, repentance has to be number one, R, it has to be radical. And it is true, it has to be radical. You know, we talked about how denial, it's its all about thinking, you know, oh, you're being too legalistic, you know, you're just being too hard on me, or maybe, you know, you're just too sensitive, or, you know, I can't be perfect and all that. Well, radical is the opposite of that. And let's just remember that, you know, Jesus came, when Jesus came, he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. 
If your right eye is causing you to sin, gouge it out. He's saying you got to be radical. That's what that is saying. You got to cut it off. And that is something we have to remember is that repentance does take being radical. You know, lately we've had these couple of uh, teens in our ministry that have been baptized. And one of them was so radical, he cut off video games for, I'm going to say, like eight weeks. He just thought, you know, video games, I'm assuming he thought video games were becoming an idol for him or in some way were keeping him from his relationship with God. Maybe it was too much of a distraction or it was keeping him away from God. And he was like, I'm going to give him up. You know, I've known teens who have sold their video games because they realized it was just taking them down a dark road and that it wasn't helping them at all. You know, I mean, if a, if a, if a teen can sell their video games, if a teen can give up video games for eight weeks, you can do whatever it takes, adult. <laughs> you can do whatever it takes, mom and dad. You know, it's just a great example. I've had teens in the past give up, literally give up Harry Potter for a while because they felt like, you know, it's just taking over. You know, something you get into, into something and you just get rid of it. You just go, you know, you know, the best way to see if something is coming between you and God, the best way to see if it's becoming sort of an idol in your life is give it up. That's the way you can tell if something is an idol. And a lot of us are getting in touch with that right now because we didn't willingly give it up, <laughs> whatever it is, but it was taken away. You know, I've had this talk with um, one of my kids lately just talking about their love of role. And, you know, there's certain video games that are role player games. Oh, wait, what are they called when you you get to be a character in it? Oh, now I'm not going to be remembering what they're called. My, my son always loved these and... Um, instead of being the first person shooter, then it's the other kind where you get to, you know, role playing. We just talked about how, how much they love it. And it's talking about what is the draw to it. And really it is just this imaginary land. I just want to be in this imaginary land. And every time I ask them to get off their video games, it's really hard for them to get off. Why? Because they're just enjoying living in this imaginary land and not in the real land. You know, and there's a time for that imaginary land. But there's also a time for reality. There's a time to be giving to your family. There's a time to turn it off and enjoy dinner together. There's a time to talk and play games that are interactive with real human beings. There's a time to take a walk. There's a time to read a book or have a conversation or, or you know, do other things besides that that are in real life. And we can't let the, that imaginary life take, you know, take, us, take us away and become more important than our real life. You know, there, there, there was a time actually lately, at, yesterday, I just had a study with somebody. It was such a great refreshment to my soul because this is somebody seeking God and really going after it who has all the same strongholds that most of us have and addictions and whatnot. And, you know, the way that she has dealt with her uh, tendency to overeat she, is she just says, you know, I just don't eat after four or five o'clock at night. I just don't eat. It's just better for me if I end my eating at that time. You know, she's not starving herself. She's not being too radical. It's just a way to be righteous. You know, whatever it is, you need to do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, because what are you getting from it? You know, what are you getting? You're getting this pure-hearted relationship with God. Your intimacy with God is growing. So be willing to be radical and remember what you're getting and not what you're giving up. Okay, number two is E, and I put down enough time. And I, what I mean by that is you have to understand that it's going to take some time. 
quite often we just don't give it enough time. We don't dedicate enough time to actually do what it takes to overcome whatever it is that we're trying to overcome. I have two friends right now who have both said to me in the past couple of weeks, you know, I don't, I, you know, one of them is, uh, was t thinking about their job and talking about their job, you know, and thinking, I just don't think that I, I have time for this job right now because the only thing I can focus on honestly is my, is my weight loss and educating my kids. That's just, I, that's all I have time for right now because it takes a lot of brain energy to overcome that stronghold. I have another friend, exact same stronghold, saying, you know, I just don't, I don't have time to read that book right now because I gotta use all my energy just to deal with this idol in my heart. And, you know, I respect that, giving something enough time. Um, you know, I think sometimes we think we don't have time for things. Um, and that, but I think it can be an excuse. Remember last time I said that this was, uh, that was the excuse that was really exposed in me was just, oh, I don't have time. I don't have time. No, no, no. I have time. I just choose to use my time for something else. You know, I'm wondering how much time you have on your devices. How much time, if I checked your thing, you know, you have the thing for your cell phone that you check for your kids to see how much time they're spending on screen time on this and that and the other. How much screen time do you have on yours? How much? What can you rearrange? What can you take out? What can you carve out? Where is your time going really? You know, a really great experiment for you is the same thing that people tell you to do maybe when you're just trying to change your diet, you know, trying to analyze what you're eating is don't even try to change what you're eating. Just keep track of what you are actually eating at this time. And I remember when I first became a Christian and I was, uh, I may have told the story before, but I was really feeling like, man, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, I'm, I'm worried. Um, and I went to my, uh, my D group leader at the time, my, dis my, dis my discipleship leader at the time, and she said, you know, and this was a woman, she was a lawyer, and she had two kids and whatever, so I, I'm thinking probably she was pretty busy. I was a student, and uh, no kids, but she said, you know, this week, just write down what you're doing. Just write it down. Don't try to change anything. Just keep a log of what you're doing. And I think that, that was a real eye-opening experience for me because I was able just to write down exactly what I was doing. And then we were able to go backwards from there and go, okay, well, here, you know, you're staying at midweek. You say you don't have time for midweek, but really the lesson is over in, in 35 minutes. And then we have about a 25-minute discussion group. And you could be leaving, but you don't. You stay at fellowship. <laughs> I was like, you're right. So I was able to find all this time that I didn't think that I had before. Um, and sometimes we can do that just by looking at, well, well, how are you using your phone? Well, how are you using your screen time? What are you, you know, and some of us are pushed to the wall. Honestly, if you have a, I mean, some of my friends, they've, they've got a, an infant and a toddler and they're supposed to be doing a job at home. I'm like, yeah, right. I don't know how you're going to be doing that. You're really going to have to figure out how to use your time, man. And that's when you start to learn th to use things like Instacart and whatnot. You know, I am praying for you guys, honestly, really praying for you. But you got to know when to say enough for things. You know, sometimes you just got to go, you know, some of us are in that position like I, I, there really is nothing I can change right now. When you got an infant and you got a toddler and you got a job, it's going to feel like that. But some of us need to know when we're just not saying enough. You know, I was listening to Carrie Newoff the other day, and this guy is one of the most productive guys I know. And he says he was talking about himself, and he was trying to describe this time that he went through when he discovered that he had burnout. 
And he said, you know, one of the things is I'm a pretty productive person. I know I've got four or five really good productive hours in the day usually. And I just started laughing because, you know, of course in my mind, I have that in my mind, well, I should have eight or nine productive hours in the day. <laughs> I'm like, of course, that should, I should be able to go and go and go and go. You know, I just totally, totally overestimate how many productive hours should be in each day. And I underestimate how many hours need to be set aside for rest and other things. So, you know, this whole thing about having enough time, how much time are you willing to give your repentance? How much time are you willing to give that? I guarantee you that if you will pray for God to open up the time for you to deal with something that is separating you from him, he will move heaven and earth. <laughs> There's no mountain he won't climb up, right? Isn't that the song that we all like to sing? You know, there's no shadow he won't light up. He's going he's gonna to break down that door coming in after you. He's going to break down the door. He's going to break down the barrier. He's going to make the time. You give him five minutes, he'll give you back an hour. I guarantee it. Invest your time in his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I've had to do that so many times just to go, I don't understand it all, but I know that I have to have enough time for righteousness, so God, open up the time. Anyway, that's that one. Okay, so uh, number three, I put parental guidance. That's right. So repent, R-E-P. Parental guidance, PG is what I wrote down because I've been learning this. Um, I've been learning this concept. I've been doing a lot of study on the concept that, um, you know, I parent children who, who come from trauma. Um, maybe you don't have kids that come from trauma, but I have discovered that even the lessons that I've learned trying to parent kids, uh, kids that come from trauma have been perfectly applicable to other kids that don't come from trauma. So maybe I thought I'd share this with you. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm learning is that, you know, we, we tend to think of anger as a primary emotion, but it's not. It's a secondary emotion. Some, most of us kind of already know this. The primary emotion is going to be fear. And I have been studying this for quite some time because I am intrigued by that scripture that says that perfect love drives out fear. And I've been thinking there's only two real things. There's love and there's fear. And if I could if I could really trace back pretty much all of my bad behaviors, my sinful responses, my reactions to things, you will probably find fear at the bottom of that. And uh, a lot of what happens when we try to parent our children and they have bad behavior is that we respond with our own bad behavior, correct? And it triggers us. So we have a child that is um, being triggered by some something and all of their fear responses are coming out. They're overreacting, they're freaking out, they're, they're throwing a fit, they're fighting, they're lying, they're doing whatever it is that they do, whatever the behavior is. They're, they're yelling, they're, and, we, and we can automatically, oh, they're defiant, they're being disrespectful, they're whatever. But I've stopped doing that. I've stopped reacting. And I've started trying to respond, right? So what that means is that my child is out there dysregulated. That means they can't regulate themselves. And but so am I. And so I have to stop myself. And I learned this thing called the safe seat. 
And basically what that is, is it's just like when you used to play tag when you were little and you would have, you know, you would have this home base, you know, safe, you know, you'd be holding on to the home base. No one could catch you there. You know, it's a place where you can kind of go and collect yourself and collect your breath. I need to figure, I need to remember the woman that, that turned me onto this. I'll, I'll try to give her credit the next time because I've been listening to a lot. I've been listening to so many um, podcasts and lessons. I can't remember who said what, but she said, a safe seat is just like home base. It gives you a chance to catch your breath. So when you find yourself, your child is dysregulated and you realize that you are now dysregulated because you're all caught up in your own stuff, sit down and figure out you know, what, what fear has been triggered in you because your own fear is being triggered up. You, usually it's just, you know, your kid lies. You're, you're, you're afraid. You're afraid. What, what's going to happen to this kid if, if they don't learn to tell the truth? You know, oh, I could, their whole entire life can flash before my own eyes. Like, well, if they don't learn how to lie, if they don't know how to tell the truth, they're, they're never going to be able to keep a job and they're never going to be able to have a marriage and they're ever going to, you know, I've got them all the way. They're already in jail, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I've already played it out in my mind that the worst case scenario, they're going to be on the street. Whatever it is, you know, you get into your own fear and you're afraid of how it's reflecting on you. You're afraid of that you're not a good parent, that you're not doing a good job and all of those things, right? So you're all triggered. Well, you cannot parent. You don't respond like an adult when you are triggered. You know, you have to sit down in your safe seat, pull yourself together, figure out where your fear is coming from, calm down and let perfect love drive out that fear. Let God drive out that fear so that you're not responding in fear. You're actually acting like the adult in the situation and you're able to deal with your child as an adult. So anyway, that's what I meant by parental guidance. And I'm sorry that that's really specific to parents. I'm sorry for anybody that's not a parent and maybe you're bored with that part. But maybe it would work even if if you do that. You have a safe seat at work. You have a safe seat in um, in your own living situation with your roommates, whatever. Maybe you need a safe seat, so parental guidance. Okay, the next one's another E, and I wrote down enrichment. And what I mean by that is that as you're trying to overcome something, as you're trying to change something, because these are things we're trying to change. Change is hard, okay? (laughs) Change is just hard. I don't care if it's just changing your schedule. If it's a change to getting up 15 minutes earlier, or if it's a change in in the flow of your day, change is just hard. So when you're trying to change, you need a lot of enrichment. You know, enrichment, they, they, if you have children in school, you know, they have, do you want to go to enrichment classes? That means, do you want to take classes on art and culture and, you know, cooking and all the other things that enrich your education? Well, this will enrich your repentance. I was thinking about this is a perfect time during this pandemic to learn new spiritual practices. And in fact, I want to dedicate the next few um, videos to just going through specific spiritual practices that might help you in learning how to build intimacy with God. Um, You know, there's other things that you can employ during this time. I have a group, a way down group that's on Marco Polo, and it's just three or four of us who are really, really trying to be focused on um, eating the right amount of food. And so we have, if you don't know what Marco Polo is, that's where you can make a little quick little video at your convenience and uh, then people can go on Marco Polo and they can check it whenever they have time. So you don't have to communicate at the time. They don't have to respond to a text. You don't have to catch them at a moment that they're free. You can just, you know, I usually, we, we all usually just record, I'm getting ready to eat. I have a growl, so I'm gonna, this is what I'm eating. 
here it is and it keeps you accountable it holds me that's an area of my life where i need to be held accountable i don't not every area of my life is like that but that particular area that seems to help me um something that we're doing right now that enriches our life is we're watching the chosen i totally recommend it completely recommend it that you watch the chosen you can find it on youtube they have their own app um you can find it on vidangel it's beautiful um, another thing I'm doing right now, I'm reading a book called Anonymous by Alicia Britt Chole, I think is how she says it, or C-H-O-L-E. It is great. Shortest little chapters, just really great about Jesus' 30 years that he lived in anonymity before he started his three years of ministry. It is amazing. And then this is the perfect time also to create new rituals for yourself, maybe a nighttime ritual in which you... Um, do things differently. You know, I discovered through this time that I have been clenching my fists at night. Um, and, you know, that just shows, oh, there's a bug in front of me. <laughs> that just shows that I have a tension inside. I have a, um, um, what's that called? A stress, a stress level. And, you know, stress is comes from fear. Perfect love can drive out that fear. I was talking to my doctor about it, and, and he was just basically, he's not a Christian, so he was talking about positive affirmations and all that. I was like, that's what it is. It's love. I need to have a different ritual at night that allows God to drive the fear out of my life because I am clenching my, my fists. So anyway, it's, this is the perfect time to employ a new nighttime ritual. Okay, there's more that can be enriching, and we're going to go into that in future videos. But for now, we're going to go on. So N is notice. And what I mean by notice is just really the scripture. Consider the birds. <laughs> Consider the birds. Ponder. Having time to think. You will never have another time like this where you have so much time to think. I have this experience where Jay and I, I may have already said this, I'm sorry, but on our walks in the morning, we always walk by this one tree. And in the, this tree lives a songbird and is singing a song every single morning. Every single morning, same bird, same song, and actually different songs, but it's always like, he's just singing songs to God, just singing away because he's not all up and down and today he's depressed, so he's not singing any songs and tomorrow, you know, I'm so stressed out, I can't sing. He's just always singing the songs. And I think about this scripture every time, consider the birds. Just think about how they're not worried. They're not worrying. They're just living for today. They're doing what they were created to do. Tracy, you know, because, you know, I walk by that. And I'm in a different mental state every single day. You know, one day I'm joyful. And the next day I'm troubled. The next day I'm worried. The next day I'm, <laughs> I don't know, excited. And I'm like, whoa, consider the birds. Okay. So, you know, just just trying to take the time to consider, to, to look at the trees, to look at the birds, to look at the lilies, to consider them and think, all of creation is praising God. They are not worried about the virus. How can I be like them? And another thing is working in my garden. I've been working the dirt, you know, I've been working the soil and working the dirt. And I realized just how peaceful and calming it is. So I like to do that as the sun's going down at night. I like to go out there and work the dirt. And I realized the reason I like it is because it's time. It's time for me to think. And I don't fill my brain. I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm not listening even to music. I'm just quiet. And it gives my brain a time to soak. You know, I, in the morning I go out and I water. 
And that water at first, you know, it's pooled up on the top, but it takes the day it lets that water kind of just go down into the soil and get all the way down into the roots. And I feel like I need that with whatever concept God has given me in the morning from that morning ritual of sitting with him and reading my book or listening to my podcasts or listening to my lessons. What is God trying to get into me? And quiet reflection will allow it to go down and, and water my soul. I need it to go all the way down. You know, some of us have discovered that enforced boredom is very good for our children. When you don't allow them to be stimulated, stimulated, stimulated all the time. When you enforce one or two hours of quiet play, meaning you can read or you can go to sleep. You know, you put them in that room and you go, this is the quiet part of our day. You can read a book, you can think, you can, you can draw, you can listen to music, but this is a time for quiet reflection. When we do that, it gives God a chance to do something that he's not able to do when we have so much noise going on. It stills our souls. So it's a great thing to sit and notice. Do something that is quiet where you can really let all of that um, seep down into you. And um, some of you are thinking, well, I work all day and then I have something every night. Don't have something every night. Sorry. Don't have something every night. Um, unless it makes you feel closer to God. Um, but you need some nights where God is just, you're alone with God. You just need that. Um, okay. And then finally, the last T. Um, I, I went back and forth on this one so many times. But I finally landed on take your temperature and take your temperature often. You know, we need to get to where we don't have to have a fever before we realize that we're sick, right? But we start to realize the signs. And I, I'm looking at that spiritually. You know, you have to start noticing the signs. You know, I'm starting to get irritable. I'm starting to let every little thing get to me. I'm starting to be really harsh or I'm starting to be quick in my responses. I'm, not, I'm no longer responding, I'm reacting. Um, I'm tired, um, hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt. That's when you know, um, I've got a fever. <laughs> when you figure out you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you at least need to be able to, you know, admit that. It sort of gives you a, a way to go, wait, oh, my temperature's too high. <laughs> my temperature's too high. Hang on a second. I'm so sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I'm picturing myself, as I'm saying this, I'm picturing myself doing this to my family. I do this all the time. I'm so sorry, guys. I started to get too um, harsh or I'm, I'm starting to get too rude. I'm so sorry. I'm either hungry. I tell them what it is. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. You know, you'd be amazed. Your kids understand these concepts. They really do. They're like, oh, yeah, I know what it is to be hungry or angry, especially hangry. You know, you got the hunger and the angry together. Everybody knows what this feels like. And so if you can just offer a general apology and say, guys, I need to, I need a minute. I need a minute to solve whatever it is. If you're hungry, you can eat. But if you're tired, don't eat. You know, if you're if you're feeling all of these things, you just need to give yourself, maybe it's your time to go to the safe seat. You know, you need to go sit down for a few minutes and figure it out. Why am I angry? Trace that back, whatever it is, but at least take your temperature several times a day. You know, I have noticed one thing, um, for people who are not used to being home um, and dealing with children and other things at the same time, a lot of times it's our husbands. They're not used to deal, they're wonderful people, but it is a whole nother thing to deal with kids and education and working at the same time, and they're not used to it. And uh, I heard Jay say something uh, the other day, or actually he's been saying this a lot 
lately he's been saying you know man I just can't figure out how to get through the late the later part of the day you know that that evening time of day and I just at first I started cracking up not that I'm laughing at him I'm just like oh well welcome to my world <laughs> this has been the bane of my existence is I can make it so far but I just can't make it past then so it validated me a little bit I was like I guess I I'm not that bad um but you know if you're trying to do this for the first time you're going to realize that there are these certain times a day that you're like, wow, I I thought I was well, but I'm actually not. So be gentle with yourself. Take your temperature often. And that's the end of our repent acrostic. Woohoo! Okay, so we went through it all. You got to be radical. You got to have enough time. You got to parental guidance. Um, you got to have enrichment. Uh, you've got to notice. And you've got to take your temperature often. Okay, so I know that I just gave you so, so many practicals. And that's what this was meant to be, is when you're in the midst of change, you you, you need a lot of tricks in your bag. I mean, seriously, you need to try a lot of different things. It's going to take a lot of different things because something will work for a while and it'll stop working. And then you try something else and that will work for a while. It's okay. We need a lot of tools. It's not tricks. I should have said tools. You need a lot of tools to help you change and become who you want to be and get back to that person that God has created you to be. So none of the, you cannot do all of this. Please don't even try. Don't get overwhelmed. Don't let this be a tool of Satan now to tell you how bad you are because you couldn't do all those things. You're going to pick one or two things. You're going to try this for a while. Then you're going to go, you may have to listen to this video several times. You may have to listen to it now a couple times and then in three more months, listen to it again and, and pull out something new. Over the next few weeks, I want to I want to be able to go through specific spiritual disciplines that can be tools in your bag as well. I try to just do, you know, sort of one a week. So maybe you can add to it. And sometimes you'll probably watch a video and go, well, I already do that, you know, and you won't get a lot of out, of out of it. But maybe you'll find something along the way that you will get out of it. So this is going to be a great journey, you guys. This is going to be fun. Repentance brings refreshment. It is fun. Fun. It's totally awesome to live for God. It's the only way to live. It's the only way that you can get up every single day to something brand new because God is going to teach you something brand new. He's going to keep polishing you and polishing you until you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, as it says in Philippians 2. So I really, really hope this helps you. Until next time.